Welcome to Cabin Boy Minute, Minute 67. On this week's Minute, we discuss cannibalism, mythology, and scumbaggery. Get ready to set sail on Cabin Boy Minute, Minute 67. Boy, minute, minute 67. I did the math. Next week starts the last 10 episodes with actual footage. Ooh. Right? So the last filmed scene ends at 116.24 and the credits go to 120.14. That's a full four minutes, 20 seconds of credits as we've realized lots of people are involved in this movie making thing mm. and we're going to talk about every single one of those fuckers <laughs> just to be clear now there's like some other podcasts that may pull those four minutes and 20 seconds into one episode no no we don't give you that here no mercy <laughs> principal grip we're going to talk about the principal grip We'll let you know every other movie he was a principal grip on. <laughs> His career hit its apex at Cabin Boy. <laughs> so here we see Nathaniel and Trina once again mm. on the quote-unquote beach. And uh, this is in response to Nathaniel taking charge and telling Trina... Uh, that they have to go save the boys. Mm. And Trina replies, Nathaniel, no man's ever talked to me like that without eating my knuckles. For some reason, when you say it, I actually like it. She's looking up into his eyes dreamily, she characterizes it, and puts her head on his chest. You know, I kind of looked at Trina as like one of these you know, like high-powered CEOs or someone like that, someone who usually takes a very dominant, strong role in her relationships and in her interactions with other people. And in Nathaniel, she's found someone who she trusts somehow and is maybe taking the opportunity to take a more submissive role to kind of give herself some time to not be in full control of the situation to kind of allow him to step forward and let her occupy a space that she doesn't normally get to occupy. I mean, there's clearly a power shift in the, yeah. in that moment that we haven't seen. You know, Trina has been exhibiting, she's been on the defensive the entire time, basically, for very yes. good reason, because uh, everybody's been on the offense, whether they were ogling her or just treating her like trash, more or less. You know, We can assume from her reaction here that she now feels at least somewhat comfortable with the situation. She's let her guard down. Right. That's kind of how I look at this, that she was like more or less working prior to this relationship that has now developed with Nathaniel. And maybe they take on different characteristics in a relationship that they don't present to the regular world. Yes. There are certain things that you allow in a relationship. You allow a vulnerability 
that you would not necessarily allow for outside of the confines of relationship. Just the tone shift, that's what I'm attributing it to. Right, like this is the first instance of her allowing it to happen because Nathaniel, right, like Nathaniel, trained by Kelly, is able to get past her lack of four additional arms. And, uh, you know, in the happy post-coital state that she's in, she's allowing him to take control. I, I looked into this eating knuckles. There's a condition known as dermatophagia, which is a body-focused, repetitive behavior. It's a disorder. This includes things like hair pulling, skin picking, nail biting, tongue chewing, hair eating, and lip biting. All right, so Nathaniel. Oh, geez. Okay, okay. Keep it in your pants for five seconds. Will you, honey? Come on. We're on an official rescue mission here. Let's go. There's yes. a sense of urgency there. Seems important. Nathaniel's on it. Immediately exasperated with her. Pulls her off him. They start running off. I, did you guys see? I, I didn't see if she took something out of her pants. <laughs> It was off camera, probably, I'm assuming. <laughs> off to the side. It's another filming error? Probably. <laughs> it's part of the match shot. Yeah. <sighs> so, start looking up rescue missions. First thing that comes <laughs> up is uh, religious missions within U.S. cities, which I was not expecting to be the first thing that pops up. A religious mission uh, is a location for missionary work, uh, particularly a Christian mission. Historically, missions have been religious communities used to spread belief in Christianity to local indigenous populations. Uh, missions also had charitable functions, providing medical help, food, shelter, and clothing to those who asked for it, and secular as well as religious education. And then I found some actual rescue missions, some official rescue missions. So the full catalog. Yeah. Okay. Got about like 27 here. So why don't you guys uh, sit back and relax. There's the Great Raid or the Raid at... Cabanatuan. So this was during World War II in the Pacific Theater. The uh, Japanese army had uh, taken many prisoners of war and uh, hundreds of American and Filipino troops were imprisoned and conditions inside these prison camps were, were really bad. You know, people were getting executed, abused, all sorts of horrible things. So to save these GIs and uh, the Filipinos who were helping them, the uh, U.S. 6th Army staged a rescue operation uh, with the aid of Filipino guerrillas. Army Rangers got 35 miles behind Japanese lines. And even though the area was crawling with enemy forces and hadn't been properly scouted, the Rangers were able to sneak into the camp, overwhelm the guards, and get the prisoners out. 510 prisoners were released from that camp safely with only two Army casualties. And uh, this daring rescue mission is known as the Great Raid and is celebrated by some as one of the bravest rescue missions of all time. And uh, just one other one. The SS Andrea Doria was a Swedish ocean liner that in 1956 was uh, hit by another boat due to operator error on a foggy afternoon off the waters of Nantucket Island. The boat immediately began to sink and the lifeboats couldn't be used because of the way the ship was listing to the side. This could have been a situation similar to the Titanic, but instead, all the boats in the area converged on the ship, and uh, over 1,600 crew members and passengers were rescued from the boat before it sank. 51 people died, 
but if these other ships hadn't come and pulled all these people off, it could have been a total disaster. And this is considered one of the most successful seaborne rescues of all time. Mm. So uh, next, uh, we get a shot of Mulligan waiting out to the boat. It always surprises me in these shots how big the actual models are. Whenever you know we have one of these shots and I see the model, in my mind, I always think of it as like a small thing. Probably I just scale it to whatever the size it is on the fucking TV. But it's you see, you know, Mike Starr is a big dude. He's waiting out there. And that boat's, boat's got some good size to it. Mm. So we see a shot of Big Teddy. And let me just say, I didn't realize how much I did, but uh, I really missed the boys. Yeah, exact same feeling. It's nice to see them again. So we see Big Teddy. Holy Christ, in a dump truck. Excellent line. I love that. I love it. Love the look on his face. Love the delivery. It's all good. But many dump and dumpster <laughs> references <laughs> in this movie, seems to be. Have Resnick's uh, childhood dream of being a uh, garbage truck driver, maybe. It's just one of those, like, so tell me how exactly that came to you. Yeah. Cappy seeing Mulligan. Oh, skunk. Mr. Expert. Mr. Mythology Wiz. What the hell is that? Like the Cappy gets increasingly panicked as he works through that phrasing. Pointing at Mulligan at the end. Uh, we get skunk turning around, staring with his eyes wide and his jaw dropped. Love Big Teddy's expression throughout this little sequence here. And, uh, yeah, Paps uh, vaguely concerned. So, Mr. Expert, Mr. Mythology Wiz, steps forward and uh, does his best analysis of the situation. Careful examination of Mulligan as he wades towards the ship and states, I have no idea, just a big guy, I guess. Great line. Absolutely. I did mean to note when Mulligan's walking out into the water, you know, we get another shot of beach when he's in the water. No sort of uh, footprints or any indication of a giant that have just walked through the sand. The beach he walked off of is to the left. You just can't see it. Right. <laughs> yeah, weird camera angles here caused uh, just something we have to deal with. Budget limitations. Mm-hmm. So Cappy starts to jump into action, as he's known to do. We gotta head him off before he gets his grubby hands on the filthy whore. Move, move, move! Looks pretty damn distressed here. I felt Mm. a little bad for him. Yeah, I mean, you gotta assume death. Thankfully, he's got the matchstick to make himself feel better at the end of that line. I mean, much more alarm for this moment than the Iceman. Yeah. I mean, at this point, it's probably because he's, you know, he thinks he's escaped, right? It's like they finally got rid of Nathaniel. They got rid of Trita. They're making their move out of there. They're going back to normal. And now there's a giant coming after the boat. So, you know, he's already shown some evidence of not always, you know, having the uh, most uh, confidence or psychological grounding. So it could just be that, you know, right now he's he's... He's a little shook with the appearance of Mulligan. Yeah, he seems scared. So the boys jump into action, start grabbing some harpoons. Teddy grabbing a boat hook. Paps grabs a harpoon. He's got a cigar in his mouth. And uh, then Skunk coming up behind another harpoon. Have we seen the harpoons before on the boat? Yeah, they didn't use them against the ice monster, did they? No. Nor did they think to grab the coffee pot for this situation. Well, 
once again, the crew sees something that they're not used to and they don't understand, and they immediately respond with violence. Mm. I would say, unlike the Iceman, I mean, they're more in tune with what a, albeit giant, but what a human looks like when they're angry and coming at you, and he's presenting all of those signs. Fair, fair, fair. They had to react quickly, so it would have been interesting to see what solution Paps would have came up with if he had some more time to think. Because right? it was uh, Big Teddy was fighting the ice monster for you know a few beats there, and then Paps had his idea about the coffee pot. Here, he didn't get a chance to think. He just grabbed the harpoon and ran. Yeah, they don't really have a whole lot of time here. Times like this, you make up shit as you go along. It's very true. Uh, just to note, Skunk uh, looks like he's carrying a two-flued harpoon, and uh, Paps has a one-flued harpoon. Flues mm. being the little uh, kind of flaggy things that come off the tip of the harpoon. To hook better, an extra barb from impaling. Yes. Sure, yeah. You stick in a whale or whatever creature you're hunting. Earliest known harpoons, uh, evidence from over 90,000 years ago. Yeah, a real old-school thing. There's quite a bit of problems in the scene here. What? Filming inconsistencies. What, what 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 problems do you have with the fine work that was being done at the end of this movie that I'm sure nobody was being de- nobody was depressed or horrified about at this point? <laughs> first things first. The filthy whore only has two dories. The dories are hanging off the side of the filthy whore off of the port side. That's where they're stored. There's two on the port side. Mm-hmm. So problem number one, it's clear, because we just saw Mulligan come off the beach on Hell's Bucket, that one of the dories is on the beach with Nathaniel and Trina. Mm-hmm. In this scene, they throw the dory over the side of the boat, but you can clearly see in the back there's still another dory hanging off the side behind Cappy. So this is now a third dory out of nowhere. Maybe they built a dory on the beach. With a shitload of gravel. Yeah. Palm leaves, tree sap, tree glue. Now, my next problem is that they grab the harpoons and immediately... The dory is being thrown into the water on the starboard side. The dory is stored on the port side. So this would mean that they would have to either pull the dory over to the other side of the boat in some way, shape, or form. It could be some editing, but the way that they have it is that it drops in the water and then they're going right after Mulligan like immediately. So Mm -hmm. they would have to like go around the front or the back of the boat first and then start going after Mulligan. Just some quick cuts here to, uh, you know, move the things along. There's no drama in watching them row around the side of the boat. At the, the beginning of the shot, when we get Holy Christ in a dump truck, I thought Big Teddy was leaning on the other dory. You know, you're right. Yeah, I see what you're talking about. There is... Yeah, I mean, it looks like it looks different from the other dories, but yes, there is a third then in that shot, too. Was there another dory hidden on the boat somewhere? I mean, it's a possibility. If you look at the model shot of the 
filthy whore as they're in the icy scene it's pretty clear i mean there's only the two dories on the side that was what i was basing my uh, opinions on maybe they took the raft apart and constructed a new dory out of the raft right maybe maybe or there's a dory down below they have like a, a special dory <laughs> an extra dory hidden in the uh, ship's hold i'm just gonna say it's pretty clear to me there's some kind of some kind of dory games being pulled on us here maybe they found another dory so yet another explanation the dory that we see on the beach is not the filthy horse because we know callie's got a history and maybe that's a dory that was left there from another <laughs> ship the second Mulligan walked out to go kick some Sailor Boy ass, there was somebody waiting outside the entrance of the cave. She's well, already no, no, no. engaging. I'm saying this is from, like, months ago. Maybe it's Linda's. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, well, to put this Dory conversation to rest for me anyhow. Yes. Here's the only possibility I can come up with. I do believe they originally only had the two Dories that are the ones that we see on Hell's Bucket. Mm-hmm. I believe that they did leave one for Trina and Nathaniel. Mm-hmm. Now, looking at the extra one that's on the starboard side, that's the one that they throw in the water, it looks different from the other ones just when it's hanging. But my working theory, then, is that they did find another dory and wound up taking that one off of hell's bucket that's accounts for the third one because again it looks a little different from the other ones but when they throw it in the water it looks the same again so i think that's the most plausible explanation again we know kelly has a history of helping lonely sailors we know mulligan has cut their heads off with a nail clipper in the past so it would not be surprising that there are some remains, you know, the, the leftover uh, vessels from sailors who were visiting Cali who were caught by Mulligan. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely, I think, within something vaguely resembling reason that a uh, another vessel could have been found on the beach. Right. I was looking at uh, Mulligan's blazer. Does he have, like, a pocket square in his yeah. blazer? Yeah, a black pocket square. Right. Why is he wearing the blazer? It's hot out. I mean, he just came home from work. He didn't. Did he take his jacket off? Took his jacket he off. He did take his jacket. So he actually put his jacket back on. Put his jacket back on to go out there and find the sailors. Maybe this is like such a frequent occurrence that he he feels like it's part of his work. So he, he gets back in his uniform. It's got to look formal for the confrontation. It's more intimidating. Yes. Probably is more intimidating. It's probably a wool blazer as well. And he knows he's going to get wet. You know, that wool retains its insulation properties when he's wet. Yeah, he yeah. might be conscious of his, uh, like, if he's in this white shirt and it gets all wet, you know, he doesn't want to give everyone a show of his pecs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. That's likely what's happening here. Maybe he doesn't, uh, maybe he feels a little self-conscious about his arms, right? He wants to cover him up with the long sleeves. So, clearly lots of reasons for this blazer back on. <laughs> Maybe as well, that's where he keeps his nail clipper. <laughs> oh, just really just didn't think deeply enough about it. <laughs> yeah, it's countless, countless reasons. Okay, good. So we see in this order, Paps in the front of the boat, 
Big Teddy in the middle, Skunk in the back. It looks like only Skunk and Big Teddy are rowing, perhaps holding the hook the whole time. And he's got the harpoon. In terms of how this was shot, I mean, there had to have been something propelling the boat. It's not like they were actually rowing the boat in the water. Because that boat was moving at a pretty good clip. And uh, just to note, most rowboats can be rowed at a speed of four to three knots, which is about three and a half to four and a half miles per hour. And it, it felt like they were going pretty fast. Skunk and Big Teddy. I mean, Big Teddy's a big, strong guy, but it didn't seem like there was that much propulsion coming from their rowing. Yeah. There had to have been something down there. Yeah, like, is it on a track or right, a motor? Hmm. So when the boat starts to approach Mulligan, you get like a half a second shot of the miniature with Mulligan. Yes. You got you actually have a lot of things going on in this shot. Because also in the back, they have what must be a matte shot of the island is still there as well. Mm-hmm. So you got the matte shot, you got the miniature and Mulligan all in this one shot. And the miniature, I mean, I stopped it right on which would be Paps in the front of the boat. And it looks great. It really looks like Paps. <laughs> yeah, it's like the white hair. He's got the vest. It's, you know, pretty good. Oh, wow. Yeah, that right? does look great. Yeah, oh, that's excellent. So Mulligan gives a kind of roar at the boys. I felt that that roar was a bit weak. Yes, but well, it wasn't the best. But a funny little moment, though, everybody immediately throws their weapons in the water uh, after the roar. So, again, something I know I've seen, but I never really, like, thought about as it being a funny joke. And it's it's funny when you think about it. Yeah. With Big Teddy and Paps, it's more kind of, you know, they're screaming and it's kind of like, ah, like that type of reaction. But Skunk just takes his harpoon and, like, turns to the side and with two hands, like, tosses it in the water. <laughs> it's very deliberate. Ridiculous. Uh, just a bunch of screaming back and forth. And then we get Mulligan's line. Which one of you scumbags diddled my wife? And then our scene ends. Cliffhanger ending. <laughs> <laughs> Who wins the scene? I thought this was a tough one. Uh-huh. Namely because I missed the boys. It's just good to see them again. But overall, I believe Melora does the most solid performance in general. I think the way she emotes through that scene, I mean, it was solid A-level acting that she was giving. Fair, fair. I mean, you know, she is trying to portray a, you know, tough, nail-bitten woman being completely smitten with a moron. Mm. I also gave it to Melora. I wanted to give it to the whole cast, too, but uh, everybody just nailed it. This time around, maybe except for Paps. But <laughs> but, uh, but I think overall, Trina did the best job. I admit, I, I overlooked uh, Melora. I was really taken by the, the reappearance of the crew. Missed their presence. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was debating between giving it to Big Teddy or Skunk. I think between those two, I'm going to give it to Big Teddy. Partially because I like Holy Christ at a dump truck. And uh, I just, again, seeing his... Shocked, incredulous face again. It just it warmed my heart. Nice. Any video game or theatrical production ideas? Video game ideas. As Mulligan, 
you have to control the scream that he makes when he's yelling at all the guys in the rowboat, right? Kind of like you would um, in Nintendo Golf, right? You're, you you press the button, then you press it again to make it, you know, mm. that, that whole circle thing. And then based on how good of a scream you get, that's how much they drop, you know, drop their weapons and how much damage they can do to you as a result of how good your scream was. I like that. I like that little bit of mechanics there. That's fun. Great. I want to play. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I had a little something where you're controlling the crew and each crew member has to select a weapon on the ship to fight Mulligan with, but you don't necessarily have to select the harpoons or the boat hook. You could take whatever you want. And the, the weapons are, like, rated both on the amount of damage they can do to Mulligan and how threatening they seem. And if you, you, you can find the right balance, Mulligan won't yell at you. He won't scream at you and you won't throw your weapon away if you, like, you know, you grab, like, a fire extinguisher or coffee pot or something like that. Like, maybe you can fool him into thinking you're coming to talk to him. Calls to action! And more Cabin Boy GIFs to... Jiffy or wherever the hell Apple pulls its GIFs from. GIFs, GIFs, whatever. Yeah, it needs to happen. Are you familiar with the National Film Registry? Isn't that part of the Library of Congress or the U.S. Archives where they have like a copy of, I don't know if it's notable films or just like every film? I think it it does need to have some sort of, you know, historical, cultural significance to warrant its preservation. Hey, Kevin Boy's got a whole podcast about it. That's what I'm saying. We need to petition the National Film Registry okay. to make a solid argument. It has a whole podcast about it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, if possible, I would like to uh, try to popularize Holy Christ in a Dump Truck. Mm. Just going through the product line thing. And uh, as I was uh, sort of conceptualizing the Cabboy boating store in my mind and also thinking about the rescue thing. Uh, we could do a kid show called the uh, Cabin Boy Rescue Squad. It's kind of like Paw Patrol, but instead of little <laughs> dogs, it's all people from Cabin Boy <laughs> helping out lonely sailors or residents of some town somewhere. That's something that's worth putting enough time into just to like at least put a trailer together for the fun <laughs> of it. Like kitty versions of Mulligan and the Cupcake and Chalky. Here's Paps. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've talked about the kids' show, but not not quite in this context. Like, or, or, or like a Muppet Babies kind of thing, but it's like Cabin Boy Babies. Yes. I could totally see, like, Baby Paps. He's, he's like, more or less exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> but he just looks young. <laughs> Smaller and younger. Or maybe the joke is everybody else look like babies and he's still old. <laughs> yes. We've gone back as far back in time as we can, and he's not changing. We don't know what's happening here. Filthy babies. <laughs> Gags per minute. I got eight. Number one, eating my knuckles. Number two, keep it in your pants for five seconds. Number three, holy Christ in a dump truck. Number four, Mr. Mythology Wiz. What the hell is that? Number five, it's a big guy, I guess. Number six, Paps and Skunk's Battle Cry. Number seven, they all drop their their harpoons, spears. Number eight, 
Which one of you scumbags diddled my wife? I have eight as well. Number one, eating my knuckles. Number two, keep it in your pants. Number three, holy Christ in the dump truck. Number four, Mr. Mythology Whiz. Number five, just a big guy, I guess. Number six, when they all throw their weapons overboard. Number seven, scumbags diddled. Number eight, I have as just the meta look at the scene overall. So you're giving a gag to the entire minute. In a way. I mean, it's just... Because I already gave it to, like, <laughs> Mulligan himself. But it's just the, uh, you know, the Mulligan with the robo. There, there's no particular moment, necessarily. But it's just them coming out in a robo trying to attack this big giant. I had a GPM this week of nine. Hmm. Number one, Knuckles. When you talk to me that way, I actually like it. Number two, keep it in your pants. Number three, just Mulligan. Coming out in the sport coat, probably mostly just for wearing the coat. Uh, number four, Jesus Christ in a dump truck. Uh, number five, Mr. Expert, Mr. Mythology Wiz. Number six, just a big guy, I guess. Number seven, the crew screaming uh, as they are running out to Mulligan. Number eight, the crew tossing their weapons. And then number nine, scumbags. So we have an average gags per minute this week of 8.3. Brian? Scott, with each of you having a GPM of eight, you are both winners of Gags Permitted this week. Congratulations. Thank you. You win the opportunity to stand toe to intellectual toe with the Mr. Mythology Wiz, Mr. Skunk. The GPM Prize Department is going to enroll both of you in a seven-course series of online classes with Bertram International University, at the end of which you will be awarded a diploma states that you are now an expert in mythology and occultism mm, occultism too double dip you'll be a certified <laughs> expert in mythology and uh you know who knows if you really enjoy yourself perhaps you become a doctor of mythology and occultism after Ooh, congratulations gives me the double dark willies just to think about it <laughs> <laughs> well thank you that sounds great funny not funny i got funny I thought this was a, a just a wonderful minute. I agree. I also had funny. I enjoyed having the crew back. Yeah, funny. Boys are back in town. I mean, big guy, I guess, alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like the keep it in your pants line and the uh, Mr. Mythology whiz. Just mm. like that. Got a, got a bunch of good beats all throughout. Thank you very much for joining us here on Cabin Boy Minute. Minute 67. We'll see you next week on Cabin Boy Minute 68. Adios. Bye-bye. Thank you again for joining us on Cabin Boy Minute. Please help spread the word, tell your friends about us, and rate and subscribe on your podcast medium of choice. Check out our episode notes where you can find calls to action, details on how to support the pod, or leave us a message. Or find us on Twitter at at Minute. We look forward to joining you again next week. Bon voyage!